This podcast contains adult language and mature themes, which may not be suitable for all listeners. So listen at your own fucking risk. And welcome to Essential NPCs, the podcast where we sample some of the best and possibly some of the worst tabletop RPGs. I'm Ryan. And I'm Tommy. And you're listening to Series 5, Episode 9, Road Rage. And uh, we don't really have any announcements for you for this episode, but we should address why uh, I'm currently talking with the famous Ryan Covert and not Addie. Um, Addie has a pretty wicked case of the flu, and she can't string three words together without going into a coughing fit. Uh, so she could not be here to record uh, words with the GM, uh, and Ryan was uh, brave enough to jump into her seat to chat with me before we start this next episode. Thanks, Ryan. Anytime, Tommy. <laughs> and with that, let's move into words with the GM. Hello. For- Hello, GM. Hello. All right. So this Words with the GM is going to be about Series 5, Episode 8, Echoes from the Past. Ha-ha. Get the the pun there? It's Echo from the Past. Ha. Yeah, because lots of stuff is coming back to haunt us. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, lots of uh, lots of fun uh, interactions. A uh, very drama heavy episode, uh, but not without a little bit of humor. Uh, what with Nim laying the groundwork for a prank <laughs> on Bryn. <laughs> that was pretty solid uh, between you and Bree there. Yeah, uh, we'd actually discussed it beforehand. Uh, She's playing a trickster, so she wanted to play some tricks. But Bree's very good about talking to people beforehand before doing so. Um, Even in our home games, she'll be like, hey, guys, is it cool if X? Yeah, well, it's it's um, it's different for every player, I think, with with stuff like that, like player interaction. Uh, some people are comfortable with different things. Like I've seen players who during scenes with other players prefer to like roll for everything. Like, do I tell that they're lying? You know, or, or can I like see if that happens and they want to roll for it every time. And uh, I've seen other players who just like just roll with it and just treat it like an improv scene and just like choose whatever they think is most interesting for the story. Like for instance, like you in this scene chose to, be duped by Nim and not not be suspicious at all. He has no reason to not trust that that was Bryn. <laughs> yeah. Or uh, excuse me. Brent. Brent. It's Brent. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get it wrong. Uh, yeah, the, that was uh, that was hilarious. And as a GM, uh, it's it's always um, good to keep in mind, like when things like that pop up, whether they're preplanned between the players or not, it's it's always important to step back and just let your players play with each other. Um, it can be hard because as a GM, you're so used to being involved in the scene and pushing the scene along to the next like next interesting thing that sometimes uh, uh, it's really like difficult to like 
catch yourself and just actually remove yourself from the scene and let two or more players just play out a scene with each other for as long as they want. Um, and just like letting that have a natural course uh, and, and not being involved because there's no NPCs around and, and no pressing threats from the world to come crashing in and interrupt them. Right. It's not directly related to the story, but still a part of the overall story which it's everybody's story. It's everybody's table. Um, yeah. GM's the referee. GM sets the scene and is kind of the boss of the table. But like you said, sometimes you just got to let them go. And, and, uh, being the referee, it's actually the, the thing you should be doing during those scenes, at least in my opinion, as the GM is keeping an eye out for players who have different comfort levels with different things. Like, if like I was saying before, um, if one player isn't necessarily comfortable just like rolling with things and picking things for a story, uh, you may need to like jump in and stop another player from just saying they saw something and instead like having them roll for it. Like sometimes you do have to mediate those scenes so that both players are comfortable. Um, and the, the goal I think is, is that you end up playing with people long enough that you do get a sense for what people are comfortable with. For example, uh, romantic relationships between players or players and NPCs, Brent and Bumbles, for example. <laughs> Not everybody's comfortable with role-playing a romantic relationship with their platonic friends. Yeah, I mean, uh, luckily Dan and I have played enough together that when, during the last Shadowrun season, he like suddenly realized that Bryn and Bumbles could be a thing and just kind of went with it and said like, and I kiss him on the mouth. Uh, I, I was already okay with that. Like immediately I wasn't like jar. I didn't expect it necessarily, but when it happened, it didn't make me uncomfortable. I was like, cool, this is awesome for the story. Let's do it. And, and Dan and I have played enough that we, that Dan felt comfortable just doing that. But in other situations, you might want to take more like Bree's approach with you and this uh, prank where, uh, you know, talk to them ahead of time and be like, hey, I think my character might like start developing feelings for your character. Is this something that like makes you uncomfortable? Like, do you think that would be fun? Because if you don't, then I can take my character a different direction. But uh, I think, uh, I think, uh, I want to know, uh, cause I don't get to do this very often with you. What was your favorite part? I really, really enjoyed you describing the kennel. It, it, it was, it was like very vivid in my imagination. I can still remember what I was picturing. I, it's nice to have somebody describe everything and really get you into the setting. Uh, really immerse you like that. You did a good job. I could, I could almost feel how sticky the tables were. Like <laughs> that's how, that's how into it my brain was. That's good. That's good. Uh, I've said before in words with a GM, uh, remembering to describe locations and characters is uh, something that I'm constantly working on because I feel like I forget to do it a lot. Um, so it's always nice to know that uh, when I do make that extra effort, it, it resonates with the players. What about you? What was your favorite part? Well, my favorite part uh, was kind of... I guess it doesn't count as like springing a trap, but it was uh, kind of leading into the the set piece that I was aiming for, which was D'Artagnan seeing Mouse. Uh, that was um, a major point of this whole 
endeavor, this scene was to like lead up to this moment when D'Artagnan looks up, sees Mouse and freaks out and you guys have to talk him out of it. And you suddenly realize you found your first true line to someone uh, who knows something about this past that that Mouse has in this cloning program that she's somehow tied to. Um, and, uh, uh, le- leading up to that, um, is always challenging as a, as a GM because you want to create these set pieces. You want to create these important plot points that, that all paths lead to, but you have, I, I think, uh, it's easy as a GM to fall into the mistake of crafting those moments too specifically. Um, like I could have, I could have made him freak out and not giving you guys any control and had him like straight up attack mouse or like kidnap her or like have the hellhounds all start shooting at you. Uh, but instead I, I kind of crafted it with like an open ended, you know, I was like, I'll give you guys a chance to say something before shit goes down. And that's nice. It gives you a little bit of wiggle room because no plan survives your players. No, <laughs> I believe that was uh, I believe that was words with the GM number one was uh, <laughs> your players will always find a way to ruin your plans. <laughs> so yeah, in my opinion, it's it's better like you you can you, when you craft these important set pieces uh, to not get married to one um, solution to them. So I don't have to be disappointed by spending a lot of time thinking of a specific series of events to happen. And you guys don't have to feel disappointed by feeling like I've taken away all of your agency. That way everyone has a say in, in what's going on. But uh, that's probably enough chatter for one words with the GM. I think it's time to uh, see how you guys execute this plan of yours uh, to uh, hit this Evo convoy. So uh, without further ado, let's move on in and listen to Series 5, Episode 9, Road Rage. Enjoy. It started how it always starts. New team, new Johnson, new job. Except this time, it was different. First, the runners. You got Mouse, tiny sweet girl. More than a little funny in the head. But that doesn't matter much considering she's the best fragging Decca I've ever seen. Then there's Kashmir. About as green as they come. Clearly out of his element. But when the cards were down, that boy proved to be one hell of a mage. Then you have Bumbles. Elf. Dryad, uh, eccentric. If you're being polite, you command an entire arsenal of drones with enough firepower to level a whole fragment city block. He's the kind of runner you hope you don't need on a job, but if you do, you're fragging glad to have him around. Then there's me, a big red oni named Boomer. My specialty is sneaking in, geeking anyone in the way, and as the leader of the group, keeping those three in line. Next, the Johnson. On the surface, sounds pretty straightforward. The next runner called Pretty B. Fell off the grid a few years back, but I didn't ask why. I'm a professional. Not a line of work, people are entitled to the secrets. Weird thing was, he was paying his hand over fist to help people. Had his clearing out ghouls from the sewers and Redmond, for frag's sake. Like I said, weird. But it's not often you get a line of jobs with a little bit of honor in them. So I was on board from day one. 
After a while, we earned Brin's, I mean Pretty B's, trust, and he let us meet his employer, Lawrence Whitmore. Mr. Whitmore was the last genuine anti-establishment businessman, according to my friend Doc. Publicly, Mr. Whitmore had retired a long time ago when he was, like, really young, but he didn't really. It was all a ruse, and in secret, he started shadow running against the corporations. When he got too old to keep running, he switched to being a Johnson and hired a team of runners to continue the work he started. But not us. We come way later. The runners he hired back then were Bryn's team. Bryn, his sister Enna, an elf named Lario, and an adept named Jason Black. Bryn told us that all of them had died a long time ago, and that's why Mr. Whitmore was looking for a new team. And that's when he found us. We could continue his mission to protect those who couldn't protect themselves, especially from the corporations. I learned from Doc that when you have the chance to do something good for somebody else, you should do it. So of course I agreed to help. Unfortunately, no good deed goes unpunished, and no organization rises without inspiring a rival. Havoc 66 arose as a dark mirror to Whitmore and Bren's work, led by a madman called Hellion. It didn't take long before Hellion found out about us, and we learned that there was quite a lot that Whitmore wasn't telling us. Like that Hellion was actually the not-so-dead Jason Black, the very one that used to run with Bryn. Hellion had turned on his old team, slaughtering them as he defected from Whitmore's cause, which we would learn much later was because he wasn't just operating alone. See, the funny thing about magic is, those of us who are able to harness it are as much under its influence as it is under ours. Hellion had gotten into bed with the wrong kind of spirit, a toxic one. Uh, the spirit drove him mad, uh, desiring only destruction. It took Whitmore's anti-corporation agenda and uh, perverted it, uh, causing Hellion to see violence as the only solution. But before we had a chance to prepare for the coming onslaught, Hellion made his move against the corpse and Whitmore. He broke into the estate and murdered Whitmore right in front of us. Then he stole Whitmore's personal shuttle, blasting off into space. As he, Hellion had set into motion a series of events that gave him the opportunity to hit the corporations where it would hurt them the most. Now the thing about AAA Corps is they're much too big to take down. That said, they did put quite a few of their eggs in one basket, Zurich Orbital Station. The station is, was, a seat of power for the AAAs. The Matrix, their bank, and even the corporate court was housed there. Like I said, a lot of eggs in one nice mid-sized space basket. Hellion's plan was to take over the station and crash it on Seattle. Not quite an extinction-level event, but certainly a global catastrophe. Naturally, the only reasonable thing for us to do was follow him up into space and stop him. Which we did! Sort of. We definitely took Hellion out, just not before he had done enough damage to the station to send it careening earthward. But, with a little help from Mouse, we managed to make the whole space station rigger interface. That's right. For a few glorious minutes, I was a space station. While rigged in, I had to break poor Zurich Orbital apart. It fell into the ocean in little bitty pieces, causing basically no damage at all. 
And we became global heroes. Except no one knows because we're Shadowrunners and the corpse would love to pin this on us. So we decided to lay low in Whitmore's mansion. It was the only sensible choice. That's where we've been since then, keeping our heads down while Bryn lines up the next job. And that's where I come in. This crusade Whitmore started is more than just a mission. It's my legacy. My name is Nim, and Lawrence Whitmore was my father. Whitmore sacrificed everything for his crusade against the corpse, including his relationship with my mother, L'Oreal. I never understood how he could just neglect us for his greater purpose. When I was old enough to join his team, he didn't offer, and I didn't ask. Some people would consider that a lucky break for me if they knew what happened next. When Jason Black murdered my mother, I faked my death and fled overseas. And it wasn't even hard considering my ability to magically impersonate literally anyone I meet. I needed to start a new life as someone else, to get away from him and, well, everything. I never understood how important my father's mission was until after he died. And then it, it was too late. It wasn't really a decision to come back to Seattle. It was something else, an, an imperative. I have to try to make things right in whatever way I can. I returned to the manor and met Brim's new team. And apparently the mage they've been running with, this cashmere guy, ended up just like Jason. He turned toxic, betrayed his team, and ran away. I can understand why they've had some trouble trusting me. It took me this long to start letting people back into my life after a toxic mage tore it apart. Hopefully, they're not as slow on the uptake. The last time we left our Shadowrunning team, they came up with a name for themselves. They are now known as Crash 3.0. They uh, were working what leads they had to try and find Isaac Boonin and got in contact with a dwarf by the name of D'Artagnan, who was a member of the mysterious Mazashi clan. Uh, he is an assassin and had been running in the shadows for a little while and apparently helped exfiltrate and hide Isaac Boonin. They met with D'Artagnan, who had a rather visceral reaction to seeing Mouse's face. Apparently, he had been wronged by the same Evo operative that uh, tried to convince Mouse to abandon her team. Once they were able to convince D'Artagnan that Mouse was in fact a clone and not the same woman, uh, he decided to trust them enough to work with them on the next step he was taking uh, to try and find this Evo operative and the project she works for, Project Zoria, which now Crash 3.0 believes is the name of the cloning program. The job that D'Artagnan laid out for them was to uh, steal the location of Project Zoria from a crate with the location programmed onto it that is being transported along I-90 into Seattle, heading for Evo headquarters. You guys laid out a plan uh, last session um, uh, to levy a significant amount of explosives uh, to disable any escorts and vehicles that were transporting these goods so that you could jump in, get the info you needed, and also steal some stuff off the truck so it's not completely suspicious. So, Boomer, you easily uh, can visit Brutus uh, and get your rockets. He calls you after a couple days. Um, you guys had four days leading up to the job. Um, 
And at what day did you want to try and do your thing? What are you, what are you guys doing in those four days? Oh, um, I'm going to go find like a municipal fire hydrant or something or power lines or something that would tap into the um, municipal hub so I could hack and falsify a work order for that area of the highway. Okay. Yeah, you can go nearby that area, tap into like one of the nearby like uh, hard points for that. Uh, just go ahead and roll uh, stealth for me to not be noticed while you do this. I don't think there's much interesting that can happen with me having you roll the hacking tests because you'll be rolling against the device, which I'm pretty sure you'll just beat. Uh, so, um, yeah, just go ahead and roll a sneaking test to not be noticed. It is urban sneaking. Four. Okay. So you do that and, uh, you can easily plant a work order. Um, when do you want, when do you guys want to plant your charges? Uh, as close to the time the convoy is going to be going as possible. Sure. Uh, yeah, you can, you can get it done the day beforehand. Um, and we'll get to that in a second. Uh, Boomer, you get your rockets. Bumbles, you get some more explosives from the Red Hot Nukes. Uh, you now have the one kilo of rating 15 explosives from Bryn, uh, whatever explosives you already had. And then you have three kilos of rating 12 explosive, which effectively is like having one charge of rating 21 explosives. Okay, cool. Yeah, so I, I get to work on... Combining my rating 10, 12, and 15 foam explosive into uh, four shaped charges designed to primarily immobilize uh, a Dodge Goliath or equivalent vehicle. Sure. So lots of sort of directed towards axles and tires and drive shafts and that sort of thing. All right. Uh, go ahead and roll a demolitions test. Uh, you can take a plus two to this due to your analytical mind. Six hits. All right, you have a pretty good I idea of what you're doing here. <laughs> um, but you guys haven't quite done that yet. Anything else happening in that for daytime? I'd like to uh, use a meta link to reach out to Maria Silva. Sure. And uh, I just want to say, send her a message that says, we have a lead on... Zachariah, you should look into the great corruptor. Be careful. You get a, a message back. Any news of D'Artagnan? It doesn't sound like he was involved. Okay. She doesn't send you anything back after that. You know, you assume she's going to start looking into great corruptor. So on the day of the work order, uh, how are you guys getting on to the highway to... Do your thing. Uh, I assume we drive there in spot. Sure. Uh, when we're at some point in the city, so not too close to the mansion, but, you know, kind of going down a street with less visibility. I find like an alley to pull into. Yeah. I will go ahead and cast vehicle mask on spot to make it look like a work vehicle. Sure. Sure. Go ahead and, uh, well, this is still the day beforehand, so you suffering drain and stuff doesn't matter. You can recast as many times as you want to achieve it, so yeah, you can get that done. Um, and you guys go, um, the highway is temporarily cleared for your, like, 15-minute window to set all these, uh, charges, basically. 
Um, and Bumbles, with your six successes and demolitions, you already have your plan laid out. Um, just uh, let me know what your goal is. Yeah, so I want to set the charges such that based on the satellite imagery we have, they're at the correct distance to hit all of the uh, Hellhound's escorts at the same time, uh, assuming there are four of them. Okay. Uh, but still spaced well enough that if there are just one or two, it will hit and disable those as well. Okay. Uh, when they were moving in, uh, in with the four escorts, the Hellhound was directly in the middle over the, uh, the median, driving right down the middle of the highway, and then the, uh, uh, it was basically two on either side, uh, two in front and two behind. Um, all the other times when, uh, when it was just one, it was just a straight line. It was a hellhound directly behind the one. Okay. I'll set up a line across the highway that if there's two escorts, it will take off their front inner wheels. And if there is uh, one car, it will take off the entire front axle, ideally. Okay. And that's all the legwork you guys have, right? Before you uh, hit the job and you fill Dart in on everything you're up to? He says uh, he says he's worked uh, he's worked a little deal with the 405s and the Leather Devils uh, to raise up some hell in uh, Bellevue to try and uh, make it so Night Errant has a slightly longer response time. Uh, how much time are we looking at? At the point of the call going in, um, with D'Artagnan's little, uh, uh, he estimates uh, with D'Artagnan's legwork he estimates that probably you're looking at like an eight to ten minute response time depending on the location that you guys like going by the location you guys have picked um he's gonna like have the uh leather devils beat up the blood mountain boys down in uh uh like in renton have them like kind of tango over that neutral turf to really get a lot of the like knight errants in renton uh busy with that and then he's going to have the 405 like tear up the highway uh in Bellevue so that uh you kind of have like a like surrounding area of like mayhem that the cops have to get through to even get to you uh making it more likely that if anyone's going to get to you it's going to be like evo quick response team and you said like eight to ten minutes yeah because they're gonna have to come from downtown that's ages we're fine yeah i think that's it okay so uh, you guys meet back up with D'Artagnan? Yep. Mm-hmm. He, uh, he arranges to meet up with you guys at the kennel. Um, so you get there, and it's right as, like, as you guys are pulling in, the, uh, you see like a bunch of the 405 are like getting ready, like tinkering with their bikes, getting ready. They have like chains and guns and like bumbles. You, qu- you see someone like stuff some grenades in his saddlebags. D'Artagnan seems to be talking to that really, really large guy who he called Grizz. Um, who he's, uh, he's like, you know, nodding and then they like, they shake each other's hands. It's a cool handshake. And then, uh, I memorize it. (laughs) And then, uh, uh, Grizz goes to go talk to the 405 and D'Artagnan approaches you guys. He is decked out, uh, in his, his full, full gear. He has a, uh, armored motorcycle helmet under one arm. Um, and he walks up and he goes, you guys ready? I think we're good to go. Greg, yeah, I am. All right. So you're, you're bringing both cars? That was my plan. All right. Well, I got my ride here, and he points, and there's like a real nice uh, Harley-Davidson Scorpion uh, motorcycle. Uh, 
that you can just by a glance, Bumbles can tell is like heavily augmented for speed. That's rather beautiful. Are you sure you don't want to ride in the very, very armored tank? Nah, I prefer to be agile. Okay. Uh, so then I think it's um, Boomer and Nim in Ma- uh, Spot and me and Mouse in the Mach 6 so I can deliver her and drop her off very quickly and get her out of there. Sure. Uh, and how are you guys keeping an eye, if you guys are approaching from a distance, how are you keeping an eye on uh, when you should uh, I will have the fly spy go ahead. M- monitor that area? And monitor that area. Sure. Um, so you guys start to get in position uh, as you do, like you're underneath the highway basically, uh, and you get like the alert from grid guide saying like restricted area, do not enter. You guys just kind of coast in underneath the highway, <laughs> get get as close as you feel comfortable getting. Uh, you know, you can, you can approach like the the area you want um and uh fly spy looking a little bit ahead uh can see one dodge goliath followed by a mac hellhound heading your guys's way cool when the time is right i do the thing okay can i make tricks perception once we get like to the place that we're going like, so if we're, like, sitting under the highway, can I just, like, look around, see if there's anything there? Sure. Are you trying to matrix perceive your targets? Sure. Okay. If you want to try and scan that far out, um, you're going to be working with nine noise you got to contend with, mouse. Okay. Um, with your Fresnel fabric and some programs, I think you can get that down a bit. Yeah, I can get it down to, like, five. Okay. So you can roll matrix perception at a minus five. I put on my hearted mil-spec armor. Cool. Boomer is in his familiar uh, Mandalorian edition hardened it's mil-spec Boomer armor. It's time. <laughs> <sighs> it's three. All right, Mouse. Uh, you are unable uh, to see the icons for, like, the Mac Hellhound or the, or the Dodge Goliath. Um, but you get like a general, like readout of everything nearby you easily enough. Mm-hmm. Um, there's plenty of things. I mean, you know, uh, you're right in the, the border between Redmond and Renton. So you have like the delightful mix of like a bunch of guns and like random illegal shit to <laughs> the North. And then to the South, you have like toasters and like ovens and other like household stuff. <laughs> okay, cool. Are there any, um... All right, so you guys wait for Bumbles to blow the charges? Uh, yeah, I only blow the ones that will hit the uh, the front car. Okay. I don't use my the ones that were designed to hit the back escorts. Sure. Because I might need them later. Bumbles, uh, roll a quick reaction and intuition for me. See how well you time this. Uh, that's two hits. Okay. I will blow up the first set of charges that the cars will come across because the the Goliath's in front, right? Yeah. Yeah. So there will be down the road aways another set of charges still. Okay. Undone. So you want to you want to detonate and then detonate again. Well, I want to detonate the first ones. Leave the further ones undetonated in case I need them later. Okay. Before he blows up the charges, I also do want to roll, uh, or I want to cast increased reflexes. Yeah. Go for that. That's four hits. I resist all the drain. Okay, so uh, the the Goliath, this extremely large, extra tall, uh, like tall enough that like 
a troll could stand in it, like hunched over. Um, completely armored uh, vehicle. It actually dwarfs Spot just a little bit. It is barreling down, followed by this gigantic Mac Hellhound, the 16-wheeler, but uh, armed to the tooth. It has four large gun drones that are on these rails that uh, go all the way from the uh, the front of the cargo container all the way to the back uh, and like have complete 360 swivel mounts. They're currently like positioned two in the back and two in the front. Um, they're zooming down the road uh, at high speeds. Uh, Bumbles, you sit there and you're timing because, you know, you're even trying to like account for like the delay on the on the feed and uh, and you press the detonate button. Uh, you don't do it quite as perfectly as you would have liked. Um, not exactly when like the Goliath is like right on top of it. Um, and uh, it blows up behind the uh, uh, the the front axle like you were hoping Um and it like scorches the like back tires. They're now on fire. Um, uh, these armored back tires are like have the like these these wheels of fire like shooting off of them. Uh, you see as like a bunch of the armor paneling goes shooting up. Uh, the Mac Hellhound instinctively swerves and kind of fishtails a little bit. Uh, the Goliath actually, from the force of the explosion, loses control and like starts like power sliding and spinning like trying you can tell just by looking like the driver is definitely like lost control of this vehicle and is trying to regain control of it um they do they are about to cross over your second line uh okay so at an appropriate time right before detonation i started us moving sure. towards them yeah how far out are we uh at complete top speed uh you'll get there in an initiative pass okay the Goliath is still functioning. Yes, it's just currently out of control. But it is but it is like you know that he could regain control of it. It's not damaged enough that it's not like running anymore. Okay, yeah. And when it passes over the second set, I blow him. All right. Uh roll reaction and intuition for me. Um take a plus 3 to this because the guy is out of control and less uh and like more likely to skid diagonally across your line and give you a little bit more time to detonate right on target that's six hits this one you get dead on uh it's almost as if the charges are placed directly on the goliath itself uh <laughs> as the bomb as the second bomb explodes underneath the goliath sending it upwards a bit uh it's so heavy it doesn't have like much lift but it sends it up enough that it tilts onto one side and lands on its side and skids and you see like the engine like smoking and, and smoldering as uh as this thing just like slides up and bumps up against like the barrier on the side of the highway that thing is done uh and you see the hellhound barreling forward through the like smoke and ash of these two detonations um uh i need everyone to roll initiative uh before we do so I'm hitting my Kami. All right. As uh, as Bumbles sets off the first charge, you see uh, Boomer reach down, uh, lift up the visor on his uh, on his milspec armor, and uh, take a puff from his Kamikaze inhaler. And his uh, his <laughs> Boomer. <laughs> his uh, his slit pupils become wide. <laughs> Does anyone have twenty five or higher? I have thirty four. Okay, mouse is 34. I've got a 31. 31 for Bumbles. 32. I've got 24. All right, mouse, you are up first. 
I'd like to matrix perception, please. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, you are Bumbles has gotten you close enough uh, before the initiative pass that you are now rolling at uh, only four noise. Six. All right, Mouse. Uh, this time, without the noise, you are able to detect some stuff running silent. Uh, first off, you see the icons for... Well, you don't see the icon for Goliath anymore. Uh, you do see an icon for the Mac Hellhound, uh, just like the, the car itself. Um, you don't see any icons for like the rail drones or any of that system, uh, because as Bumble said earlier, that is wired. Um, though you do see... Uh, the icons for two Roto drones linked to the Mac Hellhound. Additionally, uh, you see a persona in the Matrix. Um, so someone else is running in, in, in VR right now. Sure. Um, and uh, you see that they have a bunch of devices slaved to them. Um, things ranging from a bunch of different weapons, uh, like heavy machine guns, um, and... Uh, uh, you see a couple heavy machine guns, you see a submachine gun, a pistol, a rocket launcher, and also a personal integrated tactical network, uh, also referred to as PyTac. Uh, it, it's like a, a souped-up DNI. Uh, you take a DNI between the team and you add a, a PyTac device to it, and uh, everyone gets like real-time live feeds of everything with a bunch of like uh, helpful, like, um, icons that, uh, communicate with each other, all sorts of stuff like that. Uh, so they, they have that tactical edge as well. Um, but the thing that strikes you as strange, uh, cause you got six hits, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, this, this persona you see in the matrix, um, has a couple other icons with it. Um, first off the persona, uh, doesn't look like a person or anything. It's like this armored spiked, like floating ball uh, with like 10 different eye stalks poking up out of it uh, that are wiggling and like looking around in all sorts of directions and right in the center of the ball uh, above its large tooth like spiky tooth mouth is a huge big eye <laughs> and uh, next to it in the matrix uh, you see two other uh, icons I guess you could call them but they might also be personas. It's weird. Uh, two kind of like stone golems, it looks like. Um, they have like glowy eyes. And then um, also like floating above it, like this kind of like fire elemental looking thing uh, with like big metal bracers on its like, it's like almost humanoid, but not quite. Um, you know, its body like is just kind of like a, almost like a genie's in the fact that it like comes down to like a wispy like uh, uh, bottom with no legs. But its upper part is kind of... Uh, kind of humanoid and it has like big metal bracers um uh the thing that's weird about all this besides you know just the look of the icons in general is they're not it's not a device you don't get like a readout of like what kind of cyber deck this is it actually says device type unknown and then all of the readouts on these other like icons like the the other like monstrous looking icons it's just a bunch of like your your device your cyber deck is not able to identify them as an entity in the matrix so you're pretty sure you're looking at a Technomancer. Neat. Boomer, you're up. Okay, so you blew up the front truck. There's the Mac. Yeah, as you guys are barreling down towards the Mac, it's it's still a while away. Um, Bumbles hasn't had enough time to get you 
close yet, but you uh, you have the in the distance you see the smoldering smoke coming up from where the charges blew up, and uh, that's behind the Mac Hellhound, which is barreling down towards you guys. And then as you are approaching to your left against that barrier, uh, that's where the overturned Goliath is. Uh, I think I'm just going to hold my action until we get a little bit closer. All right, that means it's Bumble's turn. Am I, am I aware of what Mouse has learned? Yeah, yeah, you guys have the DNI. Mouse, in, on her turn, can, like, feed that information to you guys. Okay, um, so I'm going to use my gearhead to uh, bump the speed of both of, the, both of these cars up 20%. Sure. For six minutes. And as we're passing the Dodge Goliath, uh... The rotodrones with grenade launchers are going to shoot a bunch of grenades at it. <laughs> okay. Well, it's three hits to hit a non-moving car. Right, it's not dodging. <laughs> um, how uh, uh, how many grenades do you shoot? Uh, three grenades. Uh, okay, the, the, uh, so Bumble's... Uh, steps on the gas and um, uh, both the Mach 6 and Spot uh, pick up speed inexplicably as uh, as Bumbles uh, uh, finds a way to just like overheat the engine and get it going faster um, and uh, the West Wind pulls back right you're not trying to get involved I mean at this point or yeah the, the West Wind is behind Spot a ways so they they maintain that distance sure Spot barrels in, uh, strafes to the side, uh, the left side of the Hellhound, so as not to like have a frontal collision. As the swarm uh, shoots up out of Spot and boom, 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 shoots three grenades at the stationary Goliath. All right, uh, one grenade hits dead on on the Goliath. The other two kind of scatter and like and blow up more on the uh, the barrier that the Goliath is pressed up against. They kind of scatter to the right. Um, all three grenades and like cook the outside you see metal shrapnel falling off as like the cover and armor of this goliath is worn down to like nothing um you have no idea you know at least by looking at mouse's feet that the technomancer is still alive if it's in the goliath because it's still in the matrix um but uh uh you you have no idea how much damage is really going on there but you you feel like Definitely at least some of that concussive force and explosive made it through the like body of this, the husk of this uh, Goliath to hurt the people inside as they are very confined. Can I get Spot to catch up to the Hellhound? Uh, not in this turn. You kind of had to actually, so basically sure. you had to move to the side of the Hellhound. The Hellhound's going to pass by Spot. It, after this initiative pass, the Hellhounds will be like three meters past Spot with its tail. Okay. Uh, Boomer, you were holding your turn. Do you want to do something? Uh, you are in spot, which is just, uh, which has the Mac Hellhound barreling past it, uh, and has just, like, screeched to try and turn around as a bunch of grenades were launched at the Goliath. So, uh, uh, is there anything you want to do? Can I hold again in case somebody crawls out of the Goliath? Sure. You sure can. So uh, you see, uh, so Spot has spun past the Hellhound. Meanwhile, Dart is barreling directly at the Hellhound. Uh, and he's going fucking on, dwarf on Harley motorcycle, going straight head on into uh, this Mac Hellhound. Um, 
16-wheeler giant armored uh, truck. And at the last minute, he kicks up off of his motorcycle, sliding it underneath the hellhound, and jumps up on top of the cab. Uh, and that's his turn as he like gets a position holding on to the top of the driver cab. Uh, and he has his katana out. Uh, so that's D'Artagnan's turn. Um, the side of the Goliath <laughs> goes flying up, falling over the side of the, uh, the highway as it is blasted off. Um, and, uh, and you see as a human who has like blood trickling down one side of it, he's like kind of a little bit blood soaked, but not like, you know, completely like drenched in blood. Uh, he's definitely scorched. He looks rough. Uh, he steps up, he s- stands up. He's not wearing mil-spec armor. Um, he is wearing like heavy duty security armor as he shoulders a rocket launcher and shoots I at the spot. I fire fast. I fire two rockets at him. <laughs> uh, so you're, you're interrupting his turn to, uh, uh, to fire at him before he has a chance to fire at you guys. Oh yeah. Well, I had the rocket trained on that in case anybody popped out. Where's Boomer poking out if he's in spot? I mean, he can slide the door open. While it's moving at high speed and spinning? Yeah, I mean, if he's strong enough to hang on, he can open the door. Yeah, how are you How are you firing uh, out of spot? I'm on Kame. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to just clip in my seatbelt. <laughs> you didn't already? <laughs> I'm holding on with one arm, got the rocket launcher with the other. Okay. Uh, obviously, you are on Kamikaze and you are very strong, so I'm not going to have you roll to fly out of the car. It is going to implement significant negative penalties to your shot as the car is spinning uh, like to basically do a J-turn and follow the Mac Hellhound from behind, um, having deployed its drones onto the Goliath. Um, but you open up the side panel of, of Spot, wrapping your arm like in a seatbelt. Um, go ahead and take... You're going to take a minus five. Uh, I'm going to pre-edge. Three hits. All right. Uh, so you're sitting there. You're leaning out of the side of spot as it spins around in a J turn. You shoulder your rocket. You fire. Uh, it it shoots more to the left than you want, and it detonates earlier than you want. Um, it actually uh, the fire rakes back, kind of like splashing onto spot. You feel this heat over your body, but like it doesn't engulf spot or anything. There's no danger of damage there. It's just like right on the edge of of like burning you guys. Um, I know what I'm doing. And you see the uh, you see the concussive blast uh, knock this human back. He almost like falls out of the back of of the Goliath as his back is bent, like like in like a painful looking contortion, and then he forces himself up like back upright and he fires a rocket at you guys so close the door close the door close the door close the door the car is gonna have to dodge um take a a minus one this due to the like you're already in the middle of a turn uh the the like road conditions are a little messed up due to the excessive explosions that have just happened that's eight hits yeah he he shoots the rocket uh, you, as you're doing this J-turn, you, like, let off the brakes so that you slide back further than he was anticipating, and the rocket shoots over the front of, uh, of Spot and blows up about 12 meters away from Spot, uh, and the, and the explosion doesn't make it to, like, you guys in any kind of dangerous way. And, uh, he moves to the side. Uh, so the, the human, he, he moves out of the way, making room as the whole Goliath uh, shakes with like a force 
as this giant form leaps out of it and lands on the hood of Spot. Uh, a huge troll has latched itself onto the front of Spot, standing right on the hood, uh, one hand on either side of the windshield. Um, uh, in his tooth, the handle of an Ares monofilament sword. Uh, and uh, you see uh, Boomer, uh, his eyes are crackling with electric energy. Uh, it's like he doesn't have uh, eyes, they're glowing, and there's like electric shooting out uh, of, the, of the corners of his eyes. And uh, he like snarls at you, Boomer, as, as Spot like shakes and almost goes up on one wheel and like is fine. <laughs> uh, as he like finishes his, his J turn and begins moving to follow the, uh, uh, the Hellhound. At this point, Mouse, I need you to roll uh, Sleaze and Logic for me, as you are protecting everyone's devices from being noticed. Yeah. Maybe I'll edge it. Okay. I think I'm going to edge it. 13. Okay. Uh, you see as the stocks on this, uh, <laughs> on this Technomancer's um, uh, persona like whip around looking um doesn't seem to see anything and you see the two uh like stone um golems uh like zip into like light energy and into uh the icons of the um uh the roto drones attached to the mac hellhound um meanwhile you uh the like fire elemental persona and the uh the like eye stock or I should say the fire elemental like sprite that you've come to identify and like the eye stock persona of the the technomancer are just kind of like roaming around in the matrix seeming to try and uh, try and find you they haven't noticed you yet meanwhile uh, the two roto drones detach from the hellhound as the guns of the hellhound slide and aim to shoot at uh, spot um, I'm gonna need four dodge tests for spot. The first one is at a minus one because he's already been shot at. And then every infinite one is another minus one. Um, we're going to need four dodge tests from spot. And then the rotor drones are actually going to lift up and start moving towards uh, the west wind. Um, and they're going to shoot at you from a long range. So uh, the roto drones, uh, two, two dodges for the west wind. Okay. Uh, so that's five hits for spots first. Uh, four hits on the second for spot. Six hits on the third. Three hits on the fourth. That's fair. Uh, seven hits on the west winds first. Uh, and five on the second for the west wind. All right, spot's going to get hit twice. Both times you are resisting 13 damage at a minus seven. Okay. Uh, so I take seven damage on the first and six damage on the second. Okay, so every three damage does make a minus one for Spot to maneuver, um, but he's still he's still rolling, right? Uh, yeah, he's still got a good chunk of health. Cool. So yeah, uh, the rail guns, uh, Nim and Boomer, you see the troll like grin and like hunker down uh, as uh, these these um, these gun drones. Uh, just like pepper uh, along the framework and the top of Spot Boomer, you have to like duck in uh, to not get like shredded by some of the shots. Um, and Spot like uh, 
takes a pretty hefty beating from that. Um, meanwhile, the West Wind did get hit by one of the Roto Drones. Uh, this one was a pretty solid hit. It's actually 13 damage at minus 7 again for the West Wind. Fuck. As, uh, as these Roto Drones, they seem to move with like, they almost move like living creatures. Uh, they don't move like in like a normal way that you expect a drone to move. Um, and uh, they shoot you from a longer distance than you think they should have good accuracy, but uh, their like targeting systems must be like off the charts right now as uh, as one kind of strafes just barely missing along the front of the Westman, but the other one just zeroes in and shoots right into the engine block. Uh, so that's nine damage on the Westman. Okay. Uh, and there's just a big like unsatisfying like ping 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 as uh, three bullets just enter right into the center of the engine block and you see like smoke kind of like coming out of it um, and these two drones zipping towards you like kind of loop-de-looping like they're living. What kind of damage do I take being rigged into it? Half the damage. So you're resisting five biofeedback damage as uh, the vehicle you are jumped into it feels like you yourself got shot in the head. <laughs> That's not that bad. One Cool. Your, your <laughs> mouse's firewall happens to make it more like you got flicked in the head real hard. It's not as bad as the time I got pistol whipped. <laughs> Nim, you're up. Uh, what I'd like to do is first spell cast physical barrier. Sure. And uh, try to do that between the cab and the truck. That's sustained. I don't want to sustain it. I want to let it go. And then I want to cast agony on the troll. Sure. All right. So I'm going to cast... Uh, Physical barrier at four six. Okay. I'm gonna edge that. Okay. And that is six hits. Recklessly spellcasting adds two drain. Recklessly spellcasting adds two drain. All right. I'm gonna take five stun damage. Okay. And then I'm gonna cast agony on this troll. Okay. Uh, I will cast agony at force four and set the limit to six with reagents. Okay. Three hits. Oh, I resist all that drain. So you you see uh, the this like shimmer of like purple energy appear uh, behind the cab of the hellhound, but in front of the cargo uh, of the hellhound, the the bed of the hellhound, and uh, there's a <laughs> as uh, as um, it gets. Uh, ripped off the back of the cab and um, uh, and miraculously the uh, the driver of the hellhound seems to keep the cab in control. It does the front tires of it lift off for a second. It definitely loses a bunch of speed. D'Artagnan like his like body like shoots up on the ground but he's holding on with one hand and that seems enough for him to maintain uh, so he doesn't fly off. Um, and uh, it sort of fishtails for a second to what with like the giant shift in weight, um, but it keeps going. Uh, and you see as the uh, the the bed uh, like kind of compresses just a little bit against the wall, and then the wall shatters. And then the bed like skids like nose down, tearing up the the highway until it finally like uh, like the friction is enough to like turn it onto its side and make it fall on its side and slide for a bit. Uh, and make just this giant, like, uh, obstacle, basically, in the front uh, as it is turned on its side. And then, after doing that, you feel the lashback of energy. It's real rough. Like, even, like, it, like, almost was like when the when the physical barrier you created shattered, it, like, like the, the shrapnel, the, like, 
astral shrapnel of it, like, stabbed into you. Uh, and, like, you, like, you know, wince under the pain of that, but you don't have time as you look through the window at this, uh, at this troll who's, like, getting in position. He's, like, reaching up and grabbing his, like, monofilament sword, getting ready to, like, jump in with you guys. And, uh, you, uh, uh, like, send, uh, some, like, energy his way, and you rack his aura with, uh, with the illusion of pain, and you see him, like, wince and, like, almost lose his grip and, like, fall, like, to his elbow and, like, kind of, like, push himself up, and he's, like, glaring at you because he doesn't assume Boomer was the one who did it. <laughs> and, uh, uh, he, like, grits his, like, tusks, like, uh, looking at you, um, and, uh... Yeah, that's your turn. All right, Boomer, you guys have almost put the Goliath behind you. You see the one human there, like, starting to climb out. And then um, an orc pops up, uh, and she, uh, she like, looks at you as you're, like, you know, sitting there struggling with the, with the door, like, keeping yourself from flying out and not being shot and all that goodness. You do see as she, she like, jumps out of the Goliath, lands on the road, and, like, looks at you, and uh, she forms this ball of energy in her hand and shoots it your way. I need you to roll a dodge test for me. And you're going to want to take a minus two to this due to the fact that you're still, like, swinging around trying not to fly out of this car. No, 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 no. Full defense. Okay. Eight. You get hit with one net hit. Uh, yeah, your armor is at minus 10, and you are taking 12 damage as a lightning bolt hits you in the chest. Yeah, I think I'm fine. <laughs> Plus, our nah, man, I'm fine. Okay. Uh, the lightning bolt hits you in the chest and, like, courses through, kind of shakes shakes you, uh, and, like, you, you do take an initiative hit uh, for being touched with electric energy. Um, and you're going to be at a minus one for all tests as your body like kind of tingles. Um, but uh, uh, beyond that, that's all that really makes it through your uh, through your armor. All right, uh, Mouse, it's back to your turn. Cool. So I'm going to rearrange my deck a little bit. Then I am. Yeah, I'm going to try for three marks. OK. I'm going to edge it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Nine. You successfully get three marks on him. Uh, as you dart across the uh, the landscape of the Matrix uh, in your mouse form, your little feather earring poking up above the tall grass, you're sprinting through with Kreflin, the badger, uh, kind of bouncing out of the, the grass. Um, as you do, uh, you zip up next to him. His eye stalks are still spinning around trying to see you. He doesn't seem to notice you. And you just, while you're underneath him, just kind of like make three quick slashes with your rapier and uh, you have three marks on him. Cool. All right, Bumbles, you're up. Right, so yeah, I'm going to get Spot up to the uh, now-stopped cargo trailer. Sure. You lose a little bit of time, what with... Oh, wait, to the cargo trailer. Oh, yeah, piece of cake. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And also the swarm, including the top gun on Spot does shoot this troll in the face um so so you're commanding spot to shoot basically the whole swarm continues to move towards the cargo trailer as they shoot this troll yep that's fair uh it is two separate attacks because spot is separate from the swarm that's all okay this is all at a minus two because it is shooting at a moving vehicle except for i guess spot doesn't have a minus two 
Okay. But the swarm does because it has to shoot it as it is moving at high speeds. That's eight hits from the swarm. The swarm hits. Uh, so Red Leader, flanked by all of his uh, his minions in the swarm, uh, have made like a, a you know curving maneuver to like catch up with Spot and fly overhead and do a drive by uh, or do a strafing run over Spot's hood uh, to hit this troll and they connect. How much damage is the troll resisting? Three net hits. That's 18 physical damage at minus eight armor piercing. Roll for Spot too because he was shooting in the same in the same go. Uh, he got five hits. Okay. All right. So so uh, he's able to like he sees the little like pop out of the the top of spot and go and and he like he moves like kind of like shifting his weight to the side while holding onto the windshield of the spot to like avoid that almost with like preternatural preternatural like precognition knowing like where the shot's gonna land, but. He, in the in the act of dodging, he's like positioned himself in like a way that he can't really pull himself out of the way of the swarm shots, um, which uh, hit him in very meaty parts of his body. Uh, uh, just like a bunch of the like rifle shots that go like two, 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 like kind of like racking his body. Like you see, uh, you actually see some of his like subdermal like bone. Uh, like fracture off of one of his shoulders uh, and he like grits with pain and like shouts and like tries to push himself up and then the gauss rifle shoots through his gut uh, uh, just a clean shot through and through and you know that that's not necessarily a fatal shot not for a troll no not for a troll he's definitely like significantly wounded um, just by looking at how he was beat up by the Goliath crashing and also how you just shot the shit out of him. But even still, you're, you're surprised to see him, like, let go of the car, shout, grabbing, like, his, he- his head as he does and, like, then his, like, body and, like, like, as if, like, his entire body is on fire and he, uh, tumbles off of, uh, Spot. Uh, Nim, you recognize this to be uh, the fact that your uh, agony spell has made him feel pain worse than death. As he falls to the uh, to the concrete and dies as Spot <laughs> runs over him. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Big ol' speed bump. Spot's like... <laughs> he stabilizes with some of the, uh, the rotors that he can pop yeah, 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 yeah. Like, they go... <laughs> like make him so he doesn't like lose complete control. Um, all right, so that's Bumble's turn. Uh, and then he should. Does he get to the cargo container? He does get to the cargo container. Cool. He, if possible, positions himself to use it as cover. Okay, he's from like the he's slowing down and stopping by the cargo container. Well, yeah, because I assume Boomer's gonna get out and yeah. fuck shit up. That's what I figured, but just want to check. So yeah, and then oh. The guns that were on it appear to have died when it was severed, right? Yeah, yeah. They don't have any cool. any, any power going to them or anything. Uh, at this point, down the road, getting closer, you see the cab of this uh, hellhound um, uh, getting closer. And uh, you see Dart uh, kind of like springboard up into a handstand on top of this thing and use the momentum as he swings his feet down to kick through the window and land inside the, the cab. And, uh, and there's like a, 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 yeah, there's like just a slight pause as that happens. And then you see the two roto drones that are flying towards you go 
and just like as if they've lost all connection, just start plummeting to the ground and shatter as they hit the uh, the concrete. We're on a DNI with Dart, I assume, right? Yeah, yeah. Please try to keep the cab alive. <laughs> I'll do what I can. <laughs> I just took out one of the riggers. The other ones, uh, I'm gonna go for the driver next. Uh, you see, Sp- Spot is coming to a halt. Um, uh, when you said you wanted to use spot as cover, did you mean against No, the... I wanted to use the cargo container as cover from anybody getting out of the Goliath. Out of the Goliath. So he bypassed. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, as spot is getting behind that cover, he's he's got, like, a bonus as he is, like, partially covered getting around that thing. And you see the, um, the human uh, now having climbed out, uh, falling onto the, uh, the concrete with, like, some like force, uh, he raises the rocket, drops to one knee, and takes another shot at Spot as he is disappearing behind the cargo container. Uh, you're gonna have a plus two to this defense test. That's five hits. Again, you see as the shot uh, goes right past the butt of Spot as he's disappearing behind the cargo container. Seems like the samurai may have overcorrected to try not to hit the cargo uh, that he's probably tasked with protecting, and it shoots off uh, to his right, kind of blowing up over uh, over Redmond. <laughs> so nothing new for them. Yeah, they don't even realize <laughs> something else is happening. Mouse, I need you to roll sleaze and logic as this uh, Technomancer tries to figure out where the hell you are. Yeah. He knows there's a Decker somewhere. Just can't find it. I don't think he sees me. How many hits did you get? Eight. Just barely. One eye seems to notice the marks on the bottom of it. And then, like, you see as the, the tall grass around you shrivels away as the, like, glowing big eye looks at you. No! Okay. And now I need you to roll a matrix defense test as the fire elemental uh, sprite shoots down towards you. And also you see uh, the two, uh, when the two rotodrones crashed, you saw the two um, little stone golems like reappear in the matrix and then go back into being like beams of light as one shoots towards the icons of, uh, the icon of, like, the swarm, and then one goes to the icon of the the west wind. No! All right, so for the swarm and for, uh, the west wind, I need two separate device rating plus firewall resists, and I need an intuition and firewall test from you, Mouse. Shit! Uh, so the swarm gets five hits... Okay. That's sad. It got one hit. Okay. Uh, so you see uh, in the Matrix Mouse as the one stone golem kind of like merges its icon with the icon of the swarm and the RCC and then just kind of like pops out the other end. And you hear uh, Bumbles, you hear Red Leader go, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and then you hear Red Leader go, Bumbles. It appears a sprite has in, it, uh, integrated itself with the West Wind. And uh, as he says that, uh, I need you to roll a cra- uh, crash test, uh, basically a driving test. Uh, do it at a minus three. Um, as uh, as all of a sudden, out of nowhere, your front tires just jolt to the left. And, and Mouse, what did you get for your test? One hit. Okay. 
Uh, that is five hits. Your your wheels like jolt to the side. You feel like because you are the West Wind. You feel like this like stony hand, like that you can't perceive, but you feel it like kind of grab like your tires and like just shove them in one direction. And you're just like no, <laughs> and you just straighten out. And, like there's just like the slightest like <laughs> as uh, as you just completely course correct. Mouse, uh, this elemental genie jinn whatever uh zooms down at you and loses its kind of humanoid form just becoming a fireball as it wraps itself around you um and i need you your deck uh to resist seven damage um i got one hit okay so you take six your deck takes six damage okay uh as uh, as your persona gets like racked with this like energy um, uh, and bumbles your like sensors inside the west wind you see like mouse's like limp body with her like deck laying on her lap and you see the deck like fizzle and pop and smoke uh, through uh, you see as the Mac hellhound uh, the the cab of it kind of swerves to the side um, and like stop nearby, uh, near on like the side of the road. Now the west wind's almost to it because it has slowed down so much, and the west wind's just barreling towards it. Um, and you see on uh, D'Artagnan's DNI as the rigor cocoon in the driver's seat opens up. Um, D'Artagnan looks over his shoulder. You see the other rigor cocoon was stabbed straight through by D'Artagnan, uh, killing the rigor inside it. And then the rigor in the driver's seat, um, uh, he has his hands up. And he's like, Look, man, take whatever you want. And that's his turn. <laughs> well, that's very nice of him. Uh, Nim, you're up. Uh, first, I'd like to slap a stim patch on. Sure. You do that. You temporarily heal six stun damage. So I'd like to cast influence on the mage. Okay. And I want to cast it at force five, but set the limit to six with reagents. Sure. And the thought I'm trying to influence her with is the people in the West Wind and Spot are my friends. All right. That's six hits. And I take no drain. Uh, yeah, you uh, you kind of reach out in the astral, sending this like suggestion through the, the mana waves, and it doesn't even make it halfway to her before it's batted away with uh with like magical energy you feel like you just found her spell resistance uh as she uh, as she just seems to have this like aura of like negation around her and this uh this samurai um and uh they start moving towards you guys uh the samurai has dropped the rocket launcher and has pulled out uh a machine gun as he has like started to like approach like tactically with her to try and like get up against the other side of the cargo so they can engage with you guys. Um, uh, yeah, she's gonna um, respond to your spell with a spell of her own, uh, Nim, uh, as she shoots a bolt of mana through the astral at you. Okay. I'm gonna give myself uh, four counterspelling. Okay. Thanks. Six. Uh, yeah, uh, she's got a pistol in one hand. She's running behind the uh, uh, the human, and she just kind of like points her hand at you, and you feel this bolt of energy. It doesn't even make it halfway to you before you swat it away with your own counter spell. <laughs> uh, 
And Boomer. So they've moved away from the burning wreck, right? Yes. All right. I'm going to drop my rocket launcher into spot and pick up my sniper rifle. And uh, let's geek the mage. All right, cool. You're going to have to hop out of spot to do that to get the best angle since you were uh, on the side that, like, is facing towards where the west wind is, basically. So, like, spots, like, coming to a stop and you can, like, leap out without any problems, like, smoothly jump onto the road, come around the the corner, putting the uh, edge of the cargo container to your right shoulder as you uh, shoot the sniper rifle left-handed. Also, uh, called shot vitals. Sure. Eight. You, sir, have six net hits. How much damage is she resisting? 22 physical, minus 10 armor. Okay. She dies. <laughs> uh, yeah, you blow her head clean off. Um, her body takes like one half step more before it crumples to the ground. Uh, and you hear the human scream out uh, in anger as she, her body plummets. Uh, and just for the briefest moment, he hesitates before continuing on his way towards you. Uh, looks like, Mouse, you're up. I slot lockdown in during my quick config, um, and then I'm going to data spike the Technomancer. Okay. I got six hits. All right, you have three net hits. How much damage is he resisting? Twelve. Uh, yeah, you rack this thing. It's looked at you. You don't know what it's about to do. It already sent its elemental at you, and through all the fire that's swirling around your body, you just kind of leap up and stab your sword right in this thing's eye. Um, did you account for the marks that you did for your damage? I did not. Okay. You leap up, you stab it right in the eye, and like uh, the like slash marks you have on its underbelly like glow with energy, and then its whole like form like uh, catches up with this uh, with this like like data streams and stuff. Like you see like like all this coding just kind of like burst off of it as it disappears from the matrix. The sprite you are attached to or that that is attached to you disappears from the matrix. Uh, the one nearby the rotodromes, or nearby the swarm, disappears, and Bumbles, that presence you feel in your mind, uh, disappears as well. Uh, and, uh, yeah, that's your turn. You've successfully knocked that fucker out of the Matrix. Hmm. All right, Bumbles, the only thing uh, left is the uh, driver who uh, has put his hands up and is at Dart's mercy and the uh, human who is running towards your friends with a machine gun. He's very hurt, yeah? The human? Is he not? He's pretty hurt. He looks like he's moving a little sluggishly and stuff, but he's not like, he hasn't been shot or anything yet. So he's still just like shaken from the crash. Okay. I would like to very, very quickly just send a message to Magnitude. Do you have a place I could hide the cab of a Mac Hellhound? Okay, no response as of right, now. Right, it's... But yeah, you shoot that <laughs> message out. And then I would like to <laughs> drive to the cab, tell the West Wind to drive Mouse to spot, and then get in the cab. All right, you're not going to be able to do that many things all Right. Time. You can basically be outside the cab and send the West Wind off. Right. Like, and can I also tell the Swarm to shoot that guy? Yes, yes. Okay. 
So you, you jump out of the west wind, it keeps going on, uh, and then you tell the swarm to shoot that guy. That's eight hits. Okay, he dies. <laughs> uh, yeah, the swarm just, as that dude's running up, he's almost to cover, the swarm just like... Uh, takes him down as he's sprinting towards you guys and just stumbles to the ground, dead. And then... Uh, you guys see on your AR display as the guy um, with his hands up, staring at D'Artagnan, is sitting there, and uh, through D'Artagnan's vision, you see him go, I'll make it quick. And he stabs him right through the heart. And the dude just dies, like, instantly. Just poof. And then he removes the blade, cleans it, and hops out next to you, bumbles. Well, all right, then. Uh, and we're out of initiative. D'Artagnan goes, eight minutes and counting. What the heck? Grab the shit. Let's go. Why did Why did you stab that guy? We don't have time to talk about it. Let's go. I'm going to come out of uh, VR and because the West Wind's at the back of the cargo van now. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I'm going to try to like pull it open, pull the back open. Sure. Can I? Yeah. I mean, you guys have. I this- punched the lock. <laughs> Boomer, Boomer punches the lock. He's still high on kamikaze. The lock doesn't break. <laughs> I punch it again. He keeps punching it. I guess you are wearing hardened mil-spec armor, so you give yourself 30 seconds. You can break that lock with your fist. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna I hop- punch it three times and shoot it with my pistol. Yeah, it's broken after Boomer just goes crazy on it. <laughs> I'm going to hop into the driver cocoon of this hellhound. Sure. And take over anything that's like transmitting or whatever. I just shut everything off. Yeah, sure. Yeah. It basically, it's like turning off like the GPS connections and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's grab the shit and go. Moral dilemmas later. <laughs> okay. So we open it at, and what does it look like inside? Uh, it's pretty hectic since it tipped over on its side. Yeah. Uh, there's like a weird like green ooze on the ground. It's not like luminescent. You just kind of have to like step over it. It's mm-hmm. weird. Uh, there seems to be like some like caustic material that has like burned itself into like into the wall a little bit um go ahead and roll a perception test for me to get the lay of the land in this in this madhouse that you've found yourself in of overturned shelves and containers three okay um are you looking to boomer i have four okay yeah between the two of you it only takes you guys like two minutes to rummage through all of this, Boomer's moving crates out of the way, and uh, and you guys can identify which is the crate you're looking for. Okay. It's like a different container from the others, um, and while searching around, you were able to find like the manifest for like what was here, and it's like this one's number is not on the manifest. Okay, cool. Um, is there like an interface? Um, or something with this? Um, well, really quick. So that took two minutes. So Bo- uh, Bumbles and Nim, you guys do anything in that two minutes while they search? Um, have I heard back from Magnitude? No, not in two minutes. Okay. Um, I guess I'll run it by the team. Uh, if we can come away with this Mac Hellhound, it would both make me very happy and be quite advantageous in the future. Go for it. Is everyone good if I find a place to stash this? Do you want help getting it somewhere? Actually, yeah. Yeah, let's do that. I kind of eye D'Artagnan and 
Uh, D'Artagnan doesn't meet your eye, and he moves quickly to retrieve his motorcycle, which is like like a kilometer <laughs> like down the way. <laughs> I, I want to shoot a message to Bryn that says, not sure about D'Artagnan. Okay. Uh, yeah, and then you hop in the Mac Hellhound with Bumbles? Yeah, and I will cast Vehicle Mask. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> uh, and I take you're a... Not, you, you're, you're like at full stun, right? You're not... I, because of the stim patch, yeah, so I don't have any patch, you're, you're, stun. Right so there's now. no way that the that the drain of this is gonna like knock you out or present anything interesting, and like you can definitely like get some rest after this. So there's no reason to roll for it. You can mask the hellhound. It uh, it it's still basically you turn it in so it looks like a like a delivery van, a very tall like boxy delivery van. <laughs> um, and uh, I take us to red hot nukes territory. Sure, uh, roll. Dri- uh, driving test, but instead of reaction, roll your intuition for me. And, um, uh, yeah, Mouse and, and Boomer, uh, as you guys are, like, finding the crate, D'Artagnan, like, pulls up on his on his Harley and, like, hops off and, like, enters the uh, overturned trailer with you guys. Um, and uh, uh, he sees that you guys have found it, and he, like, you know, he, like, moves up to take a look. I got four hits, and I DNI back to Boomer in his crazed state. Don't forget to loot other things. <laughs> <laughs> Looking for guns. Is it just? Is it just hazmat? Uh, it's not all hazmat. Um, you can start grabbing some stuff. There's no guns. Um, it's all. Is there any stuff Bumbles could use? I oh. keep DNI Bumbles. Is this chemical good? <laughs> Just grab literally anything. If you see something that says, like, wired reflexes or, you know, control rig not used, that would be great. So so Boomer grabs, like, a couple containers and, like, carries them over and drops them in spot. Um, uh, Mouse, uh, this, this container you found, it's not a large crate. It's more like the size of, like, almost like a briefcase. But it's, like, super, super hardened, and you plug right into it. Um... And uh, uh, it's device rating five. Go ahead and roll a hacking test for me to get a. You just need like one mark to get the info you need. Four. Yeah, you get your marks. <laughs> uh, you can pop this thing open, uh, and uh, and you do get the uh, like you find the source code that the drone would read uh, to give you coordinates, and you uh, you know you copy that data and you pop it open. Yes. Inside there, you don't find any cyberware or bioware or anything like that, which is more or less what this truck is full of. Uh, that's that's like the kind of stuff that Boomer's like loading into spot like haphazardly. Um, <laughs> uh, what you what you find is uh, actually since Nim is on the DNI with you, she can help you identify this. Um, you see all these weird. Things there's like these twigs that are bound together. There's like these weird rocks. There's these a bunch of gems. Uh, there's like uh, vials of like strange powder, um, and uh, like a bunch of different like rolled up like scrolls. Um, and then uh, in like a little baggie, uh, like strapped to the side of this like case, you kind of open it up, and there's a glowing light that comes out of it. This like orange amber kind of like light that kind of has this like shadowy aspect to it um and uh nim you can easily tell that that is a significant amount of magical lodge materials all the things um uh and then in that little bag the bag that mouse is holding right now it is 30 grams of orichalcum 
which is the raw, pure magic alloy uh, that is used to create reagents. Holy dreck. Uh, that alone, you would guess, would probably be something around, like, maybe, maybe like, I mean, retail. <laughs> you're, you're looking at o- over 600,000 new yen. So are we stealing it or what? No, of course not. It's from Evo, right? But then they know we're coming. If we take that, then presumably they will be more inclined to think we came for it. What I very was... much want the 600,000 new yen we Do... could get from it. No, I think we should leave it. Shouldn't we leave it? We decided we yeah, were going to leave it. Yeah, I'll I can't believe I'm it. saying it. Ugh. We should leave the very valuable thing. Okay, I yeah. put it back exactly the way that it was. Sure. Yeah, you latch it back up, you toss it into the mess of everything else. Toss. <laughs> um, and then I, I'm i going to jump out and run over to the Goliath and climb in. <laughs> um, and can I find that, um, that like, DNI on, what was it called? The PyTac? Yeah, uh, PyTac, yeah. Uh, sure, the Goliath is a, a little ways away, but... While Boomer's loading in the last crate, and you know you toss the thing, you run past Dart, who's just kind of like, huh? "I'll be right back." And you sprint over, and you kind of hop and scramble, and you dive in the open side of the <laughs> the overturned Goliath. Yep. Um, and yeah, you start rummaging around in there. It's not pretty in there. Um, it's pretty hot. Uh, it's a huge mess. There's blood. There's, uh, like scorch marks. Uh, you see the Technomancer's limp body there strapped into one of the seats. Wait, is he dead? No, no. Uh, he's got like some blood trickling out of one of his ears, but like you can, you can see him breathing. Um, but in the, in the front, there is a rigor cocoon that is cracked open and, uh, the gnome that is in there, uh, is dead. Um, but attached to his uh, his rigor control console, you see the PyTac module. Um, so, yeah, you can reach over and snag that. I do. And then, uh, yeah, yeah, now you have a PyTac. Cool. Level two. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so, uh, yeah, there's not anything else in here, right? I mean... There's all sorts of things, but you've already used up four minutes, so... Right. Um, hey, Boomer, can I, can I get a hand out of here? I'm going to try and climb out. And I pick up Mouse on my other ah! shoulder, and I run towards Spot. Boomer, I can walk my... Okay. Too slow. <laughs> hey, guys, can they track those other things that we stole? Working on it. I'll, I'll you know, bug scan it and then shut down the computer stuff about sure, it yeah you can you can you can brick all of the gps the security tags and everything on there uh as boomer tosses you into spot and jumps in and spot you know veers off uh d'artagnan also jumps on his motorcycle and, and veers off in a different direction uh so you all split up and going in three different directions and he says you know uh the west wind goes with spot yeah and he's like well we'll meet up uh you got the location right yeah I'll DNI Mouse. Let's not send him the location yet. Okay. As you're as you're veering off, Mouse, you've cracked open these cases. You've you know burnt out all the security tags. Uh, D'Artagnan is sweeping another way. You guys are sweeping one way, and uh, Nim and Bumbles, you guys are going the other. Um, you look at what you've got. Uh, uh, you as you decode the encryption on the location, 
Uh, and uh, you see that you have uh, two tubes of Tryptocase Soy Agar X, um, which is basically BioWare growth medium. Mm. Uh, you have a spool of AlphaWare cortico uh, spinal wiring. Um, which is used uh, for things like wired reflexes and other like reaction enhancers, things like that. Um, you also just have like a collection of different alloys and co- compounds used to fabricate cyberware. Um, you feel like if you bring this stuff to dock, you guys can either use it or sell it for like pretty good money. Um, and then as you like, you kind of get stock of that. There's some other stuff in there too, but it's like too damaged to be useful. Um, and uh, as you guys are are. Uh, finishing up you finish decoding the location and you look at the uh, it's like you know uh project zoria uh crate item blah 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 you know so on and so forth and you look at the coordinates the coordinates seem to place project zoria at the bottom of lake washington and that's where we'll end this session i told you we needed a submarine (laughs) (laughs) this podcast has been brought to you by enpc productions All rights reserved. The Essential NPCs podcast is not affiliated with, endorsed, sponsored, or specifically approved by the Topps Company Incorporated. Shadowrun is a trademark of the Topps Company Incorporated. All rights reserved. Go to www.shadowruntabletop.com for more information.